1: What's going on, weirdos? Welcome back to the History for Weirdos podcast, episode number 43.
0: Yay, we're back.
1: We're back, baby.
0: We're always excited to be here.
1: We are. We really are always excited to be here. And I believe it is your turn to tell us a riveting tale, because I do not have anything prepared, so I really do hope it's you.
0: (laughs) Yes, I have a really interesting, dare I say, almost kind of spooky episode for us today. Spooky. It felt spooky to me researching it.
1: Oh wow. Um, I I think we're a few months early on the spooky season.
0: Yeah it's not spooky season yet but I think everyone's going to really be intrigued with this tale. So without further ado for today's episode I will be diving into one of the U.S.'s most infamous unsolved murder mysteries.
1: Oh snap.
0: It's the case of Lizzie Borden, who was charged with murdering her father and stepmother. Oh, okay. So, the Borden murders and then subsequent trial Mm -hmm. received widespread publicity throughout the U.S. at the time. These events have since been depicted in numerous films, theater, literary works, and even folk rhymes. For example... Oh, you... Yeah. Okay,
1: I know where this is going. Uh, Yes.
0: Some of you may be familiar with this case just from the very haunting children's, I think it's a jump rope rhyme that they would sing, and it goes, I won't sing it because.
1: Do it, sing it.
0: No. Please
1: sing it. Do it.
0: (laughs) Okay, okay. I'm so sorry, everyone. It goes, Lizzie Borden took an axe and gave her mother forty whacks when she'd seen what she had done. She gave her father forty one.
1: Ugh. Oh my Very. god, that's so creepy. Why are your kids so weird?
0: Imagine, like, just a little group of schoolyard children singing that in unison.
1: Okay, that's scarier than anything like Wes Craven can put out or anything like that. And like, it
0: just happened organically.
1: <laughs> no, little kids can be so creepy,
0: they really can. Yeah. They really can. Jeez. So, while public opinion and pop culture seem to be convinced that Lizzie Borden committed these brutal murders, there's actually much more to this story than meets the eye.
1: Oh, like the Transformers. <laughs> Sorry, you said more than meets the eye, and I literally... Is that the
0: Transformer slogan?
1: Yeah, I think he says, like, Optimus Prime says at the very end of the first Transformers movie.
0: Wow, when I was researching this <laughs> episode, I really didn't think we'd be talking about Optimus Prime at all.
1: Well, you know, you're welcome. <laughs>
0: And Andrew, I would like for you to tell me at the end what you think.
1: About Optimus Prime.
0: About Optimus Prime. <laughs> and whether or not he would think Lizzie Borden committed these murders. Okay? okay. Fair. So let's go into her backstory. Oh my god, this part's actually really funny. Hold on.
1: <laughs> it's like
0: just this one tidbit. Her middle name.
1: Her middle name, okay.
0: Is your name.
1: Andrew. Yes. So her name is Lizzie Andrew Borden. Yes. So her middle name is Andrew. Her
0: middle name is Andrew. That's a
1: terrible middle name for a girl.
0: I know. Like, why?
1: Why can they do Andrea? There's literally yeah.
0: a woman's,
1: ver- or a female version of my name. Yeah. Why do Andrew. they do Andrew?
0: So. <laughs> oh my God. Poor, poor woman, right?
1: Yeah, it's like Boy Named Sue.
0: Yes. So Lizzie Andrew Borden <laughs> was born. On July 19th in 1860, in Fall River, Massachusetts, to Sarah Anthony Borden. Like, what? Her mom also had a dude's middle name. Yeah, what? And her dad was Andrew Jackson Borden. Not Andrew Jackson.
1: Andrew Jackson. Borden. Borden. Borden.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Andrew so, Jackson
1: was long dead by this point.
0: Yeah. But so yeah, she's her middle name comes from her dad's first name, which again, I do think Andrea, Andrea, whatever, would have been better suited, but whatever. Um, so her father struggled financially as a young man, even though it seems like from what I could find, his family was well-connected, like pretty wealthy.
1: Mm.
0: I don't know if he didn't inherit anything or or what was going on there, but he he struggled a lot and became a self-made man um, he built his wealth in the originally in the manufacture of caskets
1: for like dead people yeah
0: the dead people ones okay <laughs> and then became a successful property developer, a director of several textile mills and he owned commercial real estate. oh wow and when he died his estate was valued at three hundred thousand dollars which is about nine million today
1: okay so pretty solid yeah
0: pretty solid especially. Self-made and and living in a a small town in Massachusetts, right? Right. Um, And I think this time period would fall under America's Gilded Age.
1: Yes. More or less, which
0: I just started watching the show, Everyone, the Gilded Age. I'm sure you were all dying to know that. So far, I like it. Not as much as Downton Abbey, but I like it. Fair. So back to the story. Despite his wealth, Andrew was known for being cheap and not well-liked by, like, anyone. (laughs) No one liked Andrew. No one ever liked the Andrews. And, uh, for example, an example of his cheapness would be that the board in home lacked indoor plumbing, even though it was really common for wealthy or even, like, well-to-do families to have at this point. He Mm. just didn't want to spend the money to do it. And then around the time of the murders, Lizzie is about 32, um, who, and she still lived at home and she really wanted for them to reside on what was called the hill, which was where the other wealthy people lived, including their relatives, their Mm -hmm. other wealthy relatives. And her father could definitely afford to move. Um, but he didn't want to. And really, you know, it's just very uh, a sign of what was problematic at this time was their neighborhood was considered undesirable because that's where a lot of immigrants were settling. And at this point and in this community right. it was specifically different types of Catholic immigrants. So oh, wow. Irish immigrants, Spanish immigrants, Portuguese immigrants.
1: It's like your family.
0: Yeah. Like my whole family, Yeah. <laughs> but we weren't even here yet. We just got here. So who knows where we were? Um, So that's why Lizzie didn't want to live there. She didn't want to live with the immigrants. She (laughs) wanted to go live on the hill with all the fancy people.
1: Oh, quad.
0: So Borden, Lizzie Borden, and her older sister, Emma Lenora Borden, had a relatively religious upbringing, and they attended the Central Congressional Church. And as a young woman, woman, Lizzie was very involved in church activities, and she was, like, the local Sunday school teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, Lizzie's mom, her biological mom, died in 1863. I couldn't... I didn't find cause of death. I'm assuming just sickness. Yeah. Um, and then three years later, her dad remarried a woman named Abby Dufry Gray. During the trial that will eventually happen in this case, Lizzie reported that she would call her stepmom Mrs. Borden, and she said that they had a cordial relationship, but that's not what anyone else had to say about it. Mm. The other witnesses said that Lizzie believed that Abby married her father just for his money
1: oh. and they did not
0: get along. Um, and then later uh, during this trial as well, I'm going to kind of jump around in time a little just to contextualize the backstory even um, during the time of these murders, they did have a live-in maid. Her name was Bridget Sullivan, whom they called Maggie. Um, she was 25 years old, and she was an immigrant from Ireland. And she testified that Lizzie and her sister, Emma, never even ate with their parents. She was one of the key witnesses saying that the situation was very tense in the home. Mm. Which we will see. The, the My next note says tension had been growing <laughs> within the board and home. For the months before the murders, um, especially because Andrew Borden was, again, like I said, cheap. Like that's what he was known for. But he was gifting a lot of his very valuable real estate to his wife's relatives.
1: That's so strange.
0: He was just giving it to them. And his daughters were not happy with that. Mm -hmm. And they didn't understand. And it was just causing a lot of tension and talking about finances and like, why are you giving away these houses? And we're still living in this house with like no plumbing and...
1: Wait, his current wife's family or his late wife's his family? His current wife's family. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. Not surprising. Yeah. Um, and then even the night before the murders, it's interesting that you mentioned his, mentioned his late wife. His late wife's brother, John Morse, um, came to visit and he came to discuss business with Andrew and some, you know, of the accounts say that whatever was happening, whatever the conversation was, again, was about property transfer situations. Mm-hmm. And that he, he probably made tensions worse. This is nowhere to be found. I'm kind of like just surmising maybe Lizzie and her sister like wrote to their uncle. Mm-hmm. And we're like, hey, our dad keeps giving away stuff to his new wife's family like can you come talk to him so he, he came to visit and tried to talk some sense into him and it got really really tense it's also important to to note that for several days before these murders took place the entire household was violently ill um whoa apparently like family friends were like oh they probably ate something bad specifically uh they were attributing it to a bad case of mutton <laughs> which is i think a scottish dish yeah. Um. But Abby, the new wife, she insisted prior to her death, she was telling her her friends in the community, like, no, I think we were poisoned. It felt like we were poisoned, and she thought at the time though that it was someone who didn't like her husband Andrew because he was just so poorly liked in the community.
1: <laughs> just for it, it doesn't sound like he did like anything
0: terrible. He was just cranky and mean, and so cheap. he's
1: just really cheap and people hated him for that or maybe he was a miser
0: i think he he kind of gives me like scrooge vibes like i think yeah. he was rude to people um
1: he's like you're a poor yes <laughs> money yeah
0: i'm pretty sure that's, that's exactly what he said
1: okay
0: <laughs> so now we're gonna get into the murders themselves Ooh,
1: here we go baby here we go so- <laughs>
0: Way too excited. You to tone it down, babe. I know.
1: Because, <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, this since is, this happened in the 19th century, like, is it no longer tragic?
0: I think it still is, but I mean, I was not kind of as, joking. oh, but not as, like, <laughs> tragic, I guess, as something more modern. I don't know, but yeah. it's a sad situation. It's still
1: sad. Yeah, I mean, it happened.
0: Yeah, it happened. Um, that's a fact, you guys. You can quote us on that.
1: <laughs> it happened. It happened. Quote. So
0: the murders took place on August 4th, 1892, and everyone just kept noting that it was like an unusually hot day. It's Massachusetts, Hmm. it's the summer, but I guess it was really hot that day.
1: Yeah, so Lizzie at this point would be like 32 years old.
0: Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So like I said, Lizzie's uncle had visited the night before, and uh, John Morse, he spent the night at the Borden home the next morning. They had breakfast and Andrew Borden, Abby Borden, his new wife, or not new, but like his second wife, Lizzie and John and the maid Maggie were all present and had breakfast together. Lizzie's sister was out of town visiting friends or something mm-hmm. and she was about 15 miles away okay. in another town. Um, so John Morse, he reports he left the house also, hold on, let me interject here. Everyone gives really precise timestamps during this whole case for where they were. And I'm like, how do you know that? I don't even know what time it is right now.
1: I know. I was like, I'm, I was literally telling one of my friends, I'm like, oh yeah, Stephanie's terrible with time. Like.
0: That's so nice to hear. Thank you. (laughs)
1: Like timetables, like you're terrible with them.
0: I have no sense of time. Yeah. I also have adhd and dyscalculia i don't know if those i think those two things do i know adhd really affects your perception of time
1: mm-hmm.
0: um so i was just like shocked like everyone's like down to the minute yeah. i was right here For your
1: life like on the life of you, you couldn't remember like no
0: right now i'm not looking at a clock it could be four it could be five it could be six i don't know what time it it's is
1: about 5 30 there we go you're kind, kind of close, <laughs> close so,
0: so that would be me telling yeah. time in a trial be like, i don't know it could be four yeah, it, it could, could be, be five yeah, could it, be it could six. be
1: six i don't know
0: So, but this dude, John Morris, he says he left their house.
1: And this is the late wife's brother. Yeah. Okay.
0: At 8.48 a.m. to buy a pair of oxen and visit his niece, who was also living in this town of Fall River. And he said he was planning to return to the Borden home for lunch at noon, right? Luncheon. At luncheon. Then Andrew Borden left for his morning walk at like 9 a.m. Mm-hmm. So, those two dudes are out right now. So, right now in the house, just to put into context, it is Lizzie Borden, Maggie the maid, and Abby Borden, Lizzie's stepmom. So, once John left, it would have typically been Lizzie's chore to go, like, straighten up his guest room for him. Mm -hmm. So that when he came back, like, it's all nice and tidy. Yeah. But for some reason that no one was able to explain during this process... Abby, the mom, was the one who went upstairs to clean out the guest room
1: and, like, make
0: the bed and stuff. And so she did that sometime between 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. And then according to the forensic investigation, which, like, how great could it (laughs) be? Even in the late 1800s,
1: it's still, like, How
0: awesome was it, probably? So according to the forensic investigation, Abby was facing her killer at the time of the attack, like, face-to-face. That's what they gathered. She was first struck on the side of the head with a hatchet type of instrument, which cut her just above the ear, causing her to turn over and fall face down on the floor, creating contusions on both her nose and her forehead. Okay. Her killer would have then struck her multiple times, delivering 17 more direct hits to the back of her head.
1: Oh, so this is personal.
0: Yes, this is very impassioned this is yeah. very angry very violent um and so obviously i, I also want to say that the children's nursery room exaggerates a little bit because this was
1: 40 it, says, it said 40. 40 wax yeah
0: but so uh, you know less than that it's 17 18 or so so then so so when andrew returned from his walk at 10 30 a.m his he his key wasn't working in the door which was weird So he was knocking, and then the maid Maggie came to unlock the door. And she was like, That's weird. But the door was stuck. And she was like, This is so weird. And as she's like trying to jiggle the door open, she said, She testified that she heard Lizzie laughing during, but she never saw her. She just could hear her coming from like up the stairs. Mm. She just heard her laughing. So this is considered significant in the investigation as Abby was already dead by this time. Mm -hmm. And her body would have been visible to anyone on the home's second floor because she was found on the landing of the second floor. And Lizzie said, well, I wasn't upstairs, so I didn't see her. Um, Lizzie stated that after her dad was let in, that they they unjammed Mm -hmm. the door, let him in, and that she helped him helped andrew remove his boots and put on his slippers so he could take a nap on the sofa which is what he typically did after his morning walk what a life of leisure
1: i know seriously
0: but this detail was contradicted by the crime scene photos and you can you can look these up they're um obviously really poor quality but you you understand what's happening in the scene Um, which and they do show andrew is wearing his boots he's not wearing slippers like Lizzie said.
1: Interesting. Weird.
0: Mm -hmm. So Lizzie then told the maid, Maggie, she was like, hey, there's this like great department store sale. Um, If you want to go like while my dad naps, you can totally take a break right now. I'll cover for you. And she was like, you know, I'm still not feeling well. She was still feeling sick from Mm. um, the sickness that they had all had. She's like, I'm just going to go take a nap myself if you don't mind. So Lizzie went into her or not Lizzie, Maggie went into her room.
1: Which was on the ground floor. I don't know where it
0: was. Um, for, I don't know. Could Must, have been yeah. in a shed even. I don't know. <laughs> she just went to go lay down somewhere. Right? Maggie um, would testify that she was resting at about 11 a.m. And she heard Lizzie call from downstairs, it says. That was in my notes, actually. She And I, over and over again, it said she heard her. From downstairs. So she must have been upstairs. But that would but, contradict...
1: Like the whole landing thing. The
0: whole, she was on the landing, she would have seen her...
1: Right. ...thing. So confusing.
0: Very confusing. Unless, I don't know, sometimes in those old-timey homes, now that I'm thinking about it, they have like servant stairs...
1: Right. Oh, that's true.
0: Like in that old house I used to live in.
1: Yes. Yeah. By they USC. Did. Yeah, and that was built probably slightly after this. So. Yeah.
0: So maybe she went up the servant there. stairs.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, maybe that's it because yeah. they didn't seem to suspect.
1: Like they didn't think uh, that was weird,
0: Maggie at all. No, they didn't think that was weird. She gotcha. said she heard her call at eleven a.m. and she said, "Quote, Maggie, come quick! Father's dead. Someone came and killed him." Mm. And then, Lizzie wouldn't let maggie come look at the body she was like no no stay back go get the doctor the doctor wasn't home who lived across the street he was the family physician and maggie was like i can get the irish doctor who's like down the street and she's like no he's not good enough we need the the protestant waspy doctor (laughs) so they went and got him um and he came and andrew was slumped on the couch in the downstairs sitting room and he was struck 10 or 11 times, again, with a hatchet-like weapon. Uh, His wounds were still bleeding, even when the doctor arrived, which suggests the attack was very recent. The doctor's name was Dr. Bowden. Again, he was the family physician, um, and, of course, he pronounced both victims dead, which I was like, yeah. Yeah. Their faces are hatcheted in. Um, Detectives estimated that Andrew's death would have occurred at approximately 11 a.m.,
1: so, like, right after he, like...
0: But that's, like, the exact time that Maggie says uh, Lizzie called her to come downstairs. So, I think that's weird. Yeah. Like, it would, that would have meant, like, the murder happened, like, maybe a minute or two before.
1: hmm Interesting. Very okay.
0: interesting. So, what people in town knew... Of course, this spread really quickly. Two brutal murders. And this is what everyone in town knew. Was that the assassin Got the victims in their home It was broad daylight right It's 11am They lived on a busy street Full of working class people Coming in and out Doing their stuff And they lived It was just one block From the city's like Business district So like the Mm -hmm. main part of town There was no evident motive No robbery No other signs of assault Like sexual assault Or anything like that And And no one heard anything, no one heard yelling, and no one saw anyone enter or leave the property.
1: So but if it was so busy, like, you could easily miss that.
0: Possibly. That's a good point. Yeah. So, first, Lizzie is not on the suspect list at all. Um, likely because she's, like, some rich girl who's, like, the Sunday school teacher, lives at home with her parents, kind of, like, good girl thing. right. Um, and then, even like later when she is suspected, the people like quote unquote of her class like refuse to believe that someone of their st- ilk st- yes yeah. their ilk could do something like that um It's also important to note, like I mentioned the community had been changing a lot. there was a lot of Catholic country immigrants coming in, and the police force was representative of that. There were a lot more irish born police officers mm. And in some of the articles that I read, specifically in the one that I read by the Smithsonian, they really emphasized that the police officers did a really bad job of questioning Lizzie at first and inspecting her. They didn't take note of like her room or if she had any markings of blood on her or anything like that. Um, and they suspect it's because she's, again, this like upper-class rich girl and they're like working class immigrant cops. And they just were kind of trying to play nice. Yeah. Um, But what they did note, what all the police officers at the scene noted was that she did not cry.
1: Mm. And they all
0: thought that was weird. Granted, everyone is different in that type of situation. It would be normal for her to be in shock Mm-hmm. after seeing that
1: that's what i was thinking initially Unle- or unless she didn't do it
0: unless she didn't she's just not sad about it i
1: don't know she's like whatever
0: <laughs> eventually she is interrogated and her answers are different every time someone talks to her
1: Oof, that's not a good sign
0: yeah she um she just keeps changing her story about like what she heard what she didn't hear like at one point she's like oh yeah i heard like A groan, and so I came into the room, and then point. She's like, "No, I didn't hear anything. I just walked into the room," and they were like, "Okay, which is it?" Um, And then one of the officers on the case discovered that Lizzie had tried tried to purchase um, prussic acid, which is like a type of cyanide, the day before at the local pharmacy, and I think the pharmacist was like. No,
1: like absolutely.
0: (laughs) Why? Also,
1: why would a pharmacy even have cyanide just casually?
0: I don't know. It's the eighteen, you know, late eighteen hundreds.
1: Like you know, illicit substances that you know, like everyone was on cocaine. I don't know. (laughs) Like totally okay, but cyanide is like. "Mm, I mean, you know.
0: Apparently, it has other purposes. This type of acid. Oh okay. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. I'll get, I think We're I'll mention it later. Yeah. So, yeah. Pharmacologist, let us know. <laughs> so, the family doctor absolutely believes Lizzie's innocence throughout this whole thing. And he testified um, that after the murders, he gave her a double dose of morphine to help her calm down.
1: Man, and the 19th century was wild.
0: Wild times. And he was like, that's why her accounts would be different or why she would be confused or not crying. I gave her a bunch of morphine.
1: That would make sense, but unless, except for the the initial, when she was, like, f- you know, the worst part mm-hmm. of it would, like, when she first found the body, like, it's not like she had morphine then. You're right. Interesting. But
0: I guess he gets there first before the cops, and he he gives her morphine. Oh, okay. And then the cops come, and they talk to her, and they're like, yo, she's not crying. She's giving us weird answers.
1: Oh, okay.
0: So that's that was his reasoning. So... Then her 41 year old spinster, and I kid you not, every time they talk about her sister in any article, spinster sister. Spinster. Because she's 41 and unmarried. Oh my God. Spinster sister Emma, who also lived at home, um, you know, she testified in court that the sisters harbored no anger towards their, their dad or their stepmom, right? She was mm-hmm. like, no way my sister did this. Like, we, we were fine. But the police investigation, which included, you know, a lot of interviews of the people who knew them, suggested otherwise that Mm -hmm. they did not get along. So at this point, what everyone knows is that Lizzie and Maggie, the maid, were the only ones in the home during the time of the murders. And no one else was seen entering or leaving the home. They also know that Maggie, the maid, was outside washing windows when Abby was... Murdered on the second floor near the guest room. So Abby's washing windows and Abby was upset because she wasn't feeling well. Right. Mm -hmm. She was like, and it was really hot. And she's like, Lizzie, I don't feel well. I'm still like nauseous and stuff. I don't want to go outside and wash the windows. And she was like, well, you have to do that anyway. So that's weird. Right. Right. And then while Andrew Borden was bludgeoned in the first floor, Um, sitting room shortly after his return the servant is resting in her room in the attic area Mm -hmm. so again what you and I are thinking maybe she had a different entrance to upstairs so she was complete so this is what we know about Lizzie is that Maggie is completely unable to account for her movements because she is either washing windows she talks to Lizzie for a minute about that like department store sale and then she Mm -hmm. goes and lays down so she she's like I don't know where she was during this time. Right. Um. So the the judge, the district attorney, and the police marshal determined, in quote, Lizzie is probably guilty. <laughs> <laughs> That's they the legal system in this town really was like oh wow like it's obviously her, like no one else could have done this. Mm-hmm. Um. So then Lizzie was arrested on August 11th, one week after the murders, which is nuts to me. It's plenty of time to like, like hide evidence or right exactly. or for if it was someone else for them to get away. It's so much time. Um, the judge sent Lizzie to county jail, and she actually remains there for the next nine months. Oh, I don't know why I couldn't figure out why she was there for so long.
1: I think trials sometimes just take forever. Yeah, and they they, they did release her on bail. I'm guessing. I'm guessing She's not. Remanded.
0: Yeah, if she was accused of something so brutal.
1: Yeah. So and if she had means and. Like, she can leave. Mm,
0: That's true. Lots of connections and stuff. Yeah. Lizzie's arrest resulted in a national scandal, of course. Um, Of course. Well, some being certain that she was guilty and others really defended her innocence. This is an interesting point. An example of people who defended her were women's groups who rallied to Lizzie's side, especially the Women's Christian Temperance Union of Suffragettes, who protested, that she could not have a fair trial because she would not have a jury of her peers because women as non-voters did not have the right to serve on juries.
1: Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Interesting.
0: And her jury, I looked, there's a picture. You can look up the, the jury. Dudes. It's all dudes. Um, so that's a pretty fair point. That's,
1: that's actually a fair point, indeed. It's
0: a big flaw in the legal system at that time um, for women and people of color, right? Right. Um. So everyone has an opinion on this at the United States. This spread like wildfire. Everyone knew about this. This was their O.J. Simpson trial. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Like everyone was talking about it. So let me get into the trial results. Okay. So it's obvious here that there's a lot of evidence against Lizzie, but it's really circumstantial. Yeah, I
1: was going to say all this is circumstantial. Like was there a murder weapon?
0: They never found a murder weapon. They found axes and hatchets in the home, but none of them looked like they'd been like, used for murder. Right. And the her lawyers like very adeptly argued like she, when would she have time to like clean all that?
1: That's and, true. And like, stash
0: it. Yeah. Like she'd be covered in blood, and she wasn't.
1: Okay, oh, that's See, that's huge. Mm-hmm. Like she wasn't covered in blood. Like that's really weird.
0: But then, and I didn't even write this down because I was really confused because I'm like, but no one noted that she was covered in blood. She must've had some blood on her, even if she like went to go touch her, pick up her dad or something, right? So maybe there was blood on her and they didn't notice. It as strange because I think the day she's arrested, they find her like ripping up a dress in the kitchen. Mm. And she was like, oh yeah, I got it dirty and I was just gonna rip it up and burn it.
1: (laughs) Okay, that's super suspect.
0: like what who does that yeah um but the most damning piece of evidence against her is that she's in the house during both murders and there's no one else that they can right. put this on no one else has motive so if she's in the house how would she also not hear or see anything
1: right unless the guy oh no it was like a full-blown like hat like yes like hack job yes yes I feel so, like you would have heard something.
0: You'd hear something. So to that, Lizzie testifies that she wasn't in the house. She was oh. in the barn.
1: Oh my God. So her story is just changing constantly. Yes. Okay, this so is it's not changed again. For her.
0: She's in the barn. She says 20 minutes or possibly half an hour. And some local dude, actually, his name's Hyman Lubinsky, in case you were wondering. He actually testified that he did see her leaving the barn at 11.03 a.m. He was going by, and he's like, oh, yeah, I saw her walking out of the barn into the main house
1: at 11.03. Weird. Okay.
0: And then at 11.10 is now what they're thinking the timeline is. Mm -hmm. That's when Lizzie would have called the maid downstairs and said, you know, my dad's been murdered, ordered her not to enter the room, and sent her to get the doctor. So, weird tidbit from the trial during this whole process as they're trying to figure out like what's going on here both of the victims heads had been removed during the autopsy and they actually allowed for the skulls to be admitted as evidence during the trial and presented to the jury this was on June 5th 1893 and upon seeing the skulls brought into the courtroom Lizzie Borden faints immediately Um, so that could be very genuine how horrifying to see that uh, or maybe she's playing into that all male
1: right like uh, oh jury she, like
0: oh she's a lady she's, she's a
1: lady she can't be capable unless she yeah. she's a uh, uh-huh. yeah
0: she is a woman which is something that would be in her favor of being unless she's
1: viewed as a witch
0: unless she's viewed as a witch oh, which yeah. no one's viewing her as a witch so far Just she is wait very for that i think too yeah she's very wealthy um And she's very involved in her church. And I feel like all of those things for men of that time would have symbolized, like, a good girl. Like, how could she do that? Right. Um, And her attorneys were, like, apparently the best of the best in the Boston area at that time. So they stressed that the prosecution offered no murder weapon or bloody clothes. So they really didn't have a case. Um. But the evidence that was excluded from this case is that Borden had sought to purchase the cyanide. She says that it was for cleaning a sealskin cloak.
1: Ew.
0: Oh,
1: man. Um, I mean, she should just be guilty for that alone.
0: I know. So that evidence was excluded. The judge said that it was not relevant, which is, I think is really interesting.
1: It's very interesting indeed. Mm-hmm.
0: So the jury was set to deliberate on June 20th, 1893, and after an hour and a half of deliberation, the jury acquitted her of the murders. Upon exiting the courthouse, she told reporters she was, quote, the happiest woman in the
1: world. Okay, this is just very strange.
0: Which is weird. That's a weird thing that's to say. That's a really
1: weird thing to say. There is, is just Why is so she not
0: much... saying, like, I hope the person who killed my dad and stepmom is found? Like, you guys, there's a killer on the
1: loose. Yeah, that's like if she was innocent, that's... Yeah. Weird, right? There's a lot of just inconsistencies in this.
0: It's so, so weird. And a big thing that is now heavily criticized, I think maybe even at the time was criticized, was just how the cops handled her with like kid gloves yeah and they, they didn't like go into the rooms or anything i think they were very like
1: like terrified maybe. nervous
0: about you know this big family big to-do family they didn't want to overstep mm-hmm. um so it really shows how like class really played into mm-hmm. the investigation That's a good point. Mm-hmm. so even though Miss Lizzie was the happiest woman in the world. Little (sighs) little did she know her life would be altered forever. Because after the verdict, shit is not fun for her. So two months after the innocent verdict, Lizzie and Emma, her sister, move into a large Victorian house on the hill where Lizzie had wanted to live all along with live-in maids and a full staff. But she is completely shunned by the community. So I think it's really interesting that she even stayed in Fall River because yeah. no one will talk to her. She is even excluded from her church community. She's a social pariah and the local kids take it upon themselves to prank and vandalize the home regularly. Mm. Cause everyone believes that she was a murderer. Right. Understandably she became quite a recluse during this time, but she did enjoy traveling. Like, leaving her town to go to Boston, New York, D.C., and she was known for dining in style and attending the theater. So when she'd leave, she was a big spender of the money that she and her sister inherited from their dad. But when she was in town, she was just very meek, quiet, almost never left the house. Oh, man. So she and her sister, Emma, had a falling out in 1904.
1: Okay. It's not
0: known why. And Emma leaves their house... Um and evidently the sisters never saw each other again. Wow, that was it. Both die in 1927. Lizzie first, and Emma nine days later.
1: Whoa, weird.
0: Both women were interred on either side of their father. Oh. So, some pop culture depictions yes. of Lizzie Borden that you know people can go look at if they want to. Because I thought this was really interesting. There were so, like, the list was so long of pop culture references. So I just picked out some that I thought were interesting. Mm -hmm. There's a short story by Angela Carter called The Fall River Axe Murders, which Mm -hmm. is supposed to be really famous. Um, And then in 1952, there's a Broadway musical.
1: (laughs) No way. Are you serious? It's
0: called Lizzie Borden, and it depicts the crimes. I don't know why they were like, you know what this story (laughs) invokes in me? Musical theater.
1: Dude, where's Sidney Poitier when you need him? Exactly.
0: (laughs) So, and then Carmen Matthews, who apparently was a famous actress, so I don't know who she is, played Lizzie Borden in the Alfred Hitchcock Presents show in season one, uh, episode one, The Older Sister is what the episode is called. I think that would be really interesting to watch. And then more recently, in twenty fifteen, there was the Lizzie Borden Chronicles. It was a TV store show, excuse me, starring Christina Ricci. Okay. And then the Lizzie Borden makes an appearance in season five of The Simpsons. In case you were wondering.
1: (laughs) I was wondering. Of course the Simpsons did. They've done everything.
0: They've done everything. So with all of that being said, aside from the pop culture references, I just thought those were fun. What do you think, Andrew? Was she innocent or was she guilty?
1: Well, I just want to say one thing. Uh, Mm -hmm. This story definitely puts the weird in history for weirdos. Yes. Uh, Agreed. Wow, this one's tough. I mean, I want to say she's guilty. Yeah. I want to say she's guilty. Like, she could have paid off that one guy, that Hiram guy. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. To to say whatever he needed to say.
0: Like, oh yeah, I saw her leaving at 11.03.
1: Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. She could have paid him off. Like the dress thing, ripping up the dress.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, those are pretty damning. But again, though, it is circumstantial. And so I do think that the verdict, you know, the jury, given everything that they've been given, I think they made the right call, even Mm -hmm. though.
0: Because it's not without a shadow of a doubt.
1: Right. Mm -hmm. And there is major shadow of a doubt. Like, that's what my gut says. But at the same time, if I was on that jury, I would not find her guilty just simply because of my, the prosecution, you guys did a shit job. That's a good point. I mean, and to be fair though, to the prosecution, it's the, the police did not do their, yeah, they diligence.
0: didn't do a good job. And I just don't, I'm sure they had really poor procedurals. Right. At this time. And obviously very limited understanding of forensics, let alone forensic psychology. She should have been, you know, now she'd be evaluated mm-hmm. psychologically and all those things. Super weird. But you know what I just find so nuts is I I heavily referenced three uh, sources, which I'll just mention now. It was an article about her in Britannica, the Smithsonian, and then Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. But I looked at like random different other things too. And I just never ever saw, and I could be wrong, but I didn't see any account of Lizzie wanting to find the actual killer.
1: Right, that's pretty awesome. Which I thought
0: was so weird.
1: It's kind of like...
0: She was just like, okay, I'm going to move into my big house now.
1: Yeah, that's it's very strange.
0: It's very strange, but I don't know. At the same time, I think, like, wouldn't the doctor or the cops, like, I feel like she would be covered in blood and not in a, like, I went to go pick up my dad kind of way. It's on my hands, maybe right. on my like chest. Right,
1: like, if, like, the spray, pa- oh, they wouldn't have had blood spatter analysis or anything like that. So yeah. she could have, like, washed, like, washed it off, like, from her face right. or, or whatnot. She could have ditched the weapon. But it is strange, though. That Where's the weapon? I will say, that is the one weird thing. Maybe she, like, just kind of, like buried it out back i don't know like
0: but she had very little time to do those things
1: that's the one thing where i'm like i'm not even 100 percent convinced that she was guilty is because like what about the weapon like do you like do you think she could have washed it off or something and then like put it with the other axes Uh like you know and then because they didn't have like like you know uv lights or anything back then so you know you couldn't do that now
0: right that's a really good point
1: it, it's it's strange it's weird
0: also what a strange time of day to choose to kill them 11 a.m
1: i think if she did do it i think she just had a break yeah just a straight up like psychological break and then just went to town on them
0: that's a common theory is that her dad maybe was abusive or dad and stepmom were abusive even though no one really reported that but at the same time at that time Their idea of abuse would have been different than ours. Yeah, they could have
1: been emotionally abusive. Yeah,
0: and that's not something that they would have even talked about or shared with other people. Mm -hmm. So some people think, like, maybe she was really severely abused and one of them said something and they snapped. There's this really random theory, and I don't know where the evidence for this comes (laughs) from, but someone... It's going to be good, isn't it? Yeah, someone wrote, I think in an article, book, story, something like that, that they believed that... Um, Lizzie and Maggie were upstairs. They, they were cleaning the guest room and then they were kissing or something like in a tryst. Oh. And Abby, the mom, the stepmom sees and reacts really poorly. And Lizzie's like, Maggie, like go outside and clean the windows or something. Mm hmm. And then kills her and then goes and kills her dad but I feel like that's so far-fetched that's
1: so far-fetched because then why kill the dad
0: why kill the dad and how would the maid not I don't think she would testify if they were in a romantic relationship but she could have said like I heard arguing I don't know I feel like the maid the maid seemed confused
1: yeah genuinely
0: like I don't know you guys like she was being really weird that day but I didn't see her yeah <laughs> that seemed to be her testimony.
1: Oh, There's and then the laughing. There's the, the laughing. laughing. That right, was... why would
0: she say that?
1: Yeah. That
0: the door was stuck and she was laughing.
1: That's the door being stuck is also kind of weird, too.
0: hmm um, Then some people think, you know, maybe if she was abused, maybe she was in what we call, like, a fugue state, so a disassociated state, and maybe she did commit the crimes and didn't even fully remember everything. Um. So maybe she didn't even know she killed them type of thing. There's all of these wild stories, but there's nothing like, and there's no other suspect.
1: It's the only
0: other suspect they looked at seriously was her uncle.
1: So, but why didn't they look at the maid at all?
0: I think because Lizzie and the maid both accounted that the maid was outside cleaning windows during Mm. the first one and then napping during the second one. Lizzie never tried to put it on the maid.
1: Interesting. Okay. She was
0: like, "Yeah, she was outside, and then she was in her room."
1: Mm, okay.
0: The uncle is was the other suspect. Like, how weird that this dude comes from out of town, spends the night, and then these people are murdered.
1: Yeah, the next day. The next
0: day, but he was visiting. Uh, he, you know, he went to go buy ox, and then he was visiting his niece. So he his alibi was accounted for. But then also, her sister really doesn't didn't believe, or at least seemingly believed, that Lizzie did it.
1: Right. What about the falling out though? What if the falling out was like Lizzie finally coming clean or something like that? Oh my and then God. And their sister's
0: just like, like I just have to leave. I can't even deal yeah. with this. Tell us, weirdos, what do Weird- you all think? Yeah,
1: I'm curious. Let us know, like, either by Instagram or email what you guys think. Yes. I'm very curious.
0: We would love to hear your theories or if you know some information that maybe I didn't have or I didn't share, if there's any uh, details that you all have found or heard that give us more insight into the case.
1: Yes. Please share. Please share indeed. Well, I think that's it. That's it for me. Okay. Well, weirdos, I hope you enjoyed this one. I know I did. And until next time.
0: Until next time, weirdos.
1: Adios.